0: So the sicha we're going to be learning is on uh, Parshas Kitzetzeh. It's going to be the first sicha in Lukut Chelek Yudalid. So this is a very fascinating sicha and the Rebbe is really going to teach us the importance of translating the words properly uh, in the Pasik and really understanding the context in which these words are being said. And by really understanding the Taich and the different possible ways of reading the Pasach based on that Taich, it gives you, you know, different meanings. In the Psukim and gives you a deeper appreciation of e Shemikra. So the this Sikha this is gonna be talking about going out to war. In the beginning of this week's Parsha says, vacha, um, and, and tells you the different halachas about going out to war, which is really a continuation of the end of last week's parsha, which parsha which was also discussing different halachas of when they didn't go out to battle, um, you know, what, what their the overtures for peace would be, and not um, when when they're making a siege against another city, what the different halachas are. So this week's parash is really continuing that theme. And um, just one quick note, there's two types of wars that are discussed in halacha. What One's called the, the mechamas harashus, the second type is called the mechamas khayva. So the difference between these two terms are, mechamas Chaiva means something which we're, like techiv, something we are obligated to do. For example, we are obligated to fight against the, the seven nations of Eretz Yisrael and to conquer the land of Eretz Testral, that's Sechiv. We need to do that. We need to destroy the nation of Amalek. Um, a second type of Moham is called Mohammed Sershus, which means it's optional. Uh, this was, for example, if for whatever reason the, the Yiddin need to battle against one of their neighbors, like David Melech had many battles in order to widen the borders of Eretz Testral, to make Eretz more prosperous, or for different reasons but something which is not because the Jewish people are actually in danger. If they're in danger, that would be considered a mechamas chayva. If we're in danger, of course, we need to protect ourselves. But even if it's not because of the sign Amim or their Malik, but it's for other uh, reasons, they're also allowed to go to war, and that's called a mechamas rishus. And so that, that's a quick word of introduction, which is going to be important to understand our Sikha. So in this week's parsha. Rashi quotes the words, when you will go out to war, or if you will go out to war. And he explains that this pasig about going out to war is referring to a Machamas roshos. This, this is an optional war. And the psukim will start discussing the halachas of the Fast Tayar. And maybe a chachal is that Rashi brings a proof that we're actually talking about an optional war, he says, in the continuation of the Pasuk, it says, and you will go out to battle, and, it says, and you will take it captive. He says, if we're talking about a war that you're able to have, a, you're taking captives, and eventually have this idea of the isha Sifaz Tayar, then for sure, it cannot be talking about the zain Amemim, because we have all, uh, the Pasuk already says, that anybody from the zain amim that live in Eretz Israel, you know, not allowed let live. So clearly, this pasik must be talking about mechamis Sushus because it allows you to take a captive. So the halachas of esh uh, sifas tayar, Rashi is telling us, to pshutishem Mikra, only applies to a mechamis Roshos, but the mechamis um, chayva, it would not apply." And on the contrary, by the mechamis of Eretz the mechamis that we're going to be fighting against the the the, the, the nations that are living in Er Yisrael, it says loysechay kol neshama. So we explained earlier in Parashas Vayera that the word ki has four uh translations. It can mean e, which is m, if, dilma, which means maybe or perhaps, ella means but, or, or rather, daha means because. So ki can actually mean different things. So ki im, e im, meaning is the the, the seder that Rashi brings, this of course, is very meduic, and he's telling you that if it's able to use in these four expressions, whatever is mentioned earlier in the Pasik, that would be the more primary and more simplistic uh, uh, explanation and taj of the word. So Rashi says the most simplistic taj of the word ki is im. And what does im mean? Chayinu shesafikim he says the simple translation of the word im is it's a suffix, it's a doubt if something will occur. So looking back in our past, it could say means if a war, if you will go out to war. Meaning is, it's not a for sure thing that you're going to go out to war. This is, it's, it's, it's a doubt. If you will ever go out to war, these are the halakhas that are going to be applicable. So just to give a quick, a quick note about this, how important it is, he says, He Muvan that from the Seder it's understood what the translation of the word ki is. What the Rebbe is trying to say is that there are many times in the Torah you'll have the word ki. Sometimes it's very, very clear what you know the touch of t- t- the word is from the context. It for sure means because, it for sure means um, maybe, whatever it is, right? But many times you might have a pasach that can be translated in the word Key could be translated in two ways, and you don't know which way to translate it. So, what the Seder is telling us is that if you don't know, then the, you have to go in this order that the most probable and most simplistic type of the word key, key really means if. So, unless you have aichacha, or from the structure of the sentence, it's clear it means one of the other ones. The first way you should try translating the word is "key," which is I would say very important because you because you have this you know "key signa everdivri." You'll see many psukim that talk about "key sickness, something will happen, which always means if you will buy an everdivri. Always try to translate it as if, uh, unless it makes more sense a different way. Um, so also in this week's parsha, it's not when you will go out to war, like many tra- English translations give it. Rather, the correct translation is if you will go out to war. And keep this in mind, because uh, if you read through the Torah, especially with the translations, you'll see many times it will say when, when the correct translation should really be if. So the Rebbe is asking a question that Rashi should have brought as a sniff, sniff means like a secondary proof, a, a proof from, that our is talking about in from this set of words, uses the word ki. Meaning, as Rashi's trying to prove that the halachas of Esh'i Sifas, Tyre only apply to Mechamas Roshas. And his proof is because how could you have any captives if it's a, a Mechama against the nations which are in Eretz Israel, which you're not allowed allow any of them live? Fine, that's a very strong proof, but he should have brought a secondary proof also from the words ki tzetze. What's the simple interpretation of the word ki is if? So that seems like a good one. say if you will go out to war, that's Pashapshan in our words. It's a, it's something which is obviously a Roshos. and obviously the word ki is 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 because if it didn't mean if, it could have just used the word kasher teitzel mochama, when you will go out to war, or v'hayu when you will go out to war. By using those other expressions, it would have told you that it's something which is achiv, something which will for sure happen, when you will go out to war. If it's when, that means it's obviously something, something which is obligatory. But if it's an if, that means you're not commanded to do this, it's up to you. Uh, these proofs were actually brought by the Malbim, kasher teitzel Muhammad. Since it doesn't say these types of expressions, therefore... Um, uh, therefore it's clear that kite means if. Um, from the words kitseitse itself, it implies that And so the question is: the Malbim, the Tartmima, as we see in R5, brings it. Why doesn't Rashi bring it? If you look at R five, it tells you Rashi in the dan So Rashi actually, in the Pirish Pir- and Pir- the Gemara, tells you that Kitseitse, what's the implication of words if you will go out? It means that if you will have a kashatala uh, when you will have an idea, when it will be in your mind to go out to war. So even Rashi sa- understands that the word ki means if, so why doesn't he use that as a proof? The the other, since Rashi is coming to explain, the point of this Rashi is coming to explain which type of war we're referring to, and he brings a proof that it's a Mechamas Roshos, from this of the says the word Shvisi Shivya, and not from the words Ki Tsei then why did Rashi quote the words Ki Tsei The only thing Rashi should have quoted in his pyrrhus is the words L'Malchama. He should have put down the different Al Muhammad, and then he brings a proof, this is a Mechamas Roshos, and he'll bring the proof because it says Shvisi Shivyai. Um, but why are you saying Kitseitsei? The proof that it's a Mechamma has nothing to do with the words Kitseitsei, according to what Rashi's showing. He says in the prior parsha we see three times that he uses the word key regarding the laws of Mechamma, and each time Rashi gives a different explanation. From the other times and from our parsha, so those three times in the prior parsha and the fourth time, which is in our parsha, it's four different uh, explanations that Rashi gives. Which is which, which is startling, and he's going to explain the question. It says in uh, last week's parsha, this is Perchov Pasik Aleph, that when you will go out to war, if you will go out to war, um, or it could be when, right? We'll have to see what the what Rashi is going to translate. That Kitsaisal uh, Machama, and you will see a very powerful army, and you'll see their horses and the trumpets and everything else. So the Passover tells you, Loy sir, you should not be afraid of them. So Loy Pierce Rashi be Ezimachama Kasamadabar. Im Rashus Al Shay Chayva. See, so, so Rashi doesn't tell you if if it's a Machamas Rashus or it's a Machamas Chayva. Machamas rishus Even though the sifri is a that it is talking about Machamas Rashus, but Rashi does not bother telling you what war we're talking about. Uh, this kitzitz l'cham and you're very, very uh, afraid and you're not supposed to, with powerful army and you're not supposed to be afraid. And then it also tells you the halachas of who's supposed to go back from the war and who's supposed to stay and fight in the front lines. Not not, not clear from Rashi what type of war it is. But from the Sifri, it's talking about the halachas meaning is that if, if it's a chayva according to halacha, everybody, even a even a Hassan after he's gotten married, who is pater from halachas, Rashus, he would be if to go out for mechamas chayva. So the Sifri is telling you that this, that it says all these peturium about uh, the chassin and if you just planted a vineyard, that you do not need to go out to war. That's talking about specifically a mechamas and not a mechamas chayva, which all these individuals would have to go out. But Rashi does not say what it means. al next parsha it says, Al-Apasik vel-ir So this is in Pasig uh, Yud. Uh, when you approach a city to fight against it, so the passage continues talking about what overtures you need to do for peace. So Matik Rashi Mefarsh. He says If you will come close to a city, he says, oh, it's talking about And what's his proof? His proof is from a few p'sukim later, where it says that. Um, these the same halachas of trying to make peace and offering peace to the city that you're fighting against also applies to all the cities which are very distant. So if we're talking about cities which are distant, it's clearly not talking about a chayva because mechamas chayva would only be in to Sra. So it must be talking about optional wars. So that's Rashi's proof that this parsha is talking about optional wars. al so the third one is it says when you're taking a siege against a, a city for many days, you know, Allah cut down the fruit trees, etc. So Rashi does not explain it right away on the first posse. when you will make a siege on a city for many days, he does not tell you what type of war it is right away. This is in Pasik Yutas, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say to Mohammed Soshus, So it's rather what does he do? He doesn't explain it right away away at the beginning of the Pasik. Rather, he waits till you're halfway through the Pasik to the words Yomim Rabim and he explains that, oh, what is the idea of Rabbi means? Rabbi means three days. Yomim, he says, means two days. Rabi means three days. So you're taking a siege against the city for three days. And what does that teach us? Mikan Amr, from here we learn that you're not allowed to make a siege on a city unless it's at least three days before Shabbos. And the second thing we learn is that you're supposed to offer peace um, for two or three days uh, against a city you're, that you're making siege. And then only after two or three days, then you actually start battling. So Imam Sheikh Rashi, and then Rashi continues and he says, and this is all talk about Mechamasu Okay? So Rashi's telling us it is talking about Mechamasu This idea that you have to wait two or three days offering them peace is only for Muhammad Masha when it's Mechama, which is a chayver. You would not need to do that. So the first question is like the same question we had in Sip when it said, like our week's parsha says Rashi does not bring a proof that it's from the word ki, which means if he doesn't do that. So, so the Rebbe is going to ask the same question on our in in, in parsha when it says This is again talking about peace, and similarly al where Rashi says by both of these situations it's talk about Muhammad and he brings uh, he does not bring the word key and say oh, how do I know that this is a machal because it says ki. So this seems like a very, a question really. In all of them, Rashi does not bring ki to prove uh, that it's a machal masrashos. All right? He doesn't ask that regarding the first parsha, which we talk about when you go up to war and you see, uh, every, uh, you know, and you're scared. And, and you're, not, you're not allowed. I mean, when you see powerful army, and you're not allowed to be scared because Rashi doesn't even tell you what type of war it's going to talk about. So there was not going to ask why he doesn't he use ki as a proof because he doesn't say anything. Uh, Soshi, Mi He says, "From this it Rashi explains on the words that when you approach a city, and this is to make peace." And he says, "This is talking about shus And he it says, "How do I know this?" He continues, because it says explicitly later on, in this Indian, this is what you're supposed to do from the cities um, which are also distant from you." This is said a few psukim later. So meaning, the question really is, why is Rashi bringing the proof that it's talking about Muhammad Sushus right at the beginning? He should have brought it a few psukim later, where the actual proof is. Meaning is when you start saying uh, when it starts saying the words. Um, then Rashi should have said, Oh, from here we see that's talking about Lacham HaSoshos. Why is it you right at the beginning if there's no proof from the first pasach? Rather, it must be that from the words there is a proof. And you could prove from those words itself that we're talking about And that's why Rashi explains it on that of those words. But that proof itself, which is on that pasik, is not strong enough on its own. Therefore, he brings a secondary proof, which is a much stronger proof from what we see a few Pesukim later. Okay? So there is something in the words which shows that's mahamas or but it's not enough, so he also has to bring a proof. So the any move he says, what's the proof in the words that from those words itself we already know that it's talking about a and we just need a second proof which is stronger, which is much stronger than the words where the Pasik Rashi doesn't even use it as a sniff. Meaning, as a chayyur, it seems like Rashi. I mean, just to say it more clearly, what the Rebbe is trying to say is that clearly what Rashi is saying ear when you're approaching the city to make peace. And Rashi tells you right away, it's Kachem, Elamacham, Mesoshus. We know from the word Ki. Ki means if. If you will approach a city, uh, then you act to war against them. Then you should try to make peace. So obviously, it's from the word Ki. But the question is, why don't we also use the word Ki as a proof in these other Psukim? And you're going to say, oh, because it's only a secondary proof, and Rashi doesn't care about the secondary proof. Yeah, but then why in in that Parsha does he use these words as the Haychaka? That key is the proof. And he just brings a second proof, which is stronger, to show what he's saying is correct. Over there, he doesn't do anything like that. Second of all, what's the problem? What's the question on this proof that Rashi needs to say, this isn't strong enough on its own. Rather, we have another proof. And on the last uh, Parsha, which was when you're fighting, when you're making a siege, so Rashi explains, and at the end of that whole Devar so he says, He doesn't say what the proof is. How does Rashi know that? Just like Rashi brings proofs, for Kisikra and also the beginning of our parsha needs to bring a proof. It's talking about Chamas Rashus. Why doesn't Rashi feel that he needs to also bring a proof for Kitzatsar Ram? That's also talking about Rashus? rabbi that. So the explanation is like this. Um, it's, it's, again, so this this is going to be you have to be very careful how to read Apostolic, even if you know what the word means. But you're able to translate the words. I know what the title of each word means. But if you don't put the, if you don't read it properly, if you don't have the comma in the right spot, you're basically not going to be reading the pasuk correctly. So we're going to give a bunch of examples how you can translate the word "ki" as "if," and it's and it, and you could still read the pasuk in two different ways. How recalls calls that the in the hamura v'shivisi it says, right after, it says, when you go out to war, uh, it's written about, it uh, gives a description, and you will take a captive. He says, even if you want to translate the words, is that if you will go out to war, but the word if doesn't necessarily go on the words, if you will go out to war. It could be like, if, comma, you go out to war, and you capture a, um, a a captive. So the word "if" is actually going on the word "shivis taking captive someone. Because he says the If you go out to war and you capture someone, the "if" is not saying if you go out to war. Rather, if you go, it's when. You, rather, this is how you might translate it. That's when you go out to war. Uh, if you happen to take a captive, a girl, and we'll give you the lachas if just your fast tire. So the "if" is not if you're going to war. The war might be a chayva. The "if" is it's not necessarily true if you'll see a... a. a, a you might, it's not necessarily true if you'll take a captive or not. So it's very important, even if you know the Taich, of where do you put the comma. Therefore, it's not clear from the words key itself that we're talking about because it could mean if, that the war is an F, or it could mean the war is a Chayva, but it's an if, if you will take a captive. Therefore, from the word key, it's not a proof for anything. Therefore, Rashi needs to bring a proof that it's talking about because you're taking captives and that cannot apply to the wars against the nations in the Eretz Yisrael, which you were not allowed to allow. You had to kill them. So according to that, we can understand in this say mitzvahim Maskal, why Rashi um, writes kitzeite? This was the second question. Question number one is why didn't Rashi use the word ki as at least a secondary proof that we're talking about the mechamis The second question is okay, fine. If it's not a proof, then why are you even saying the word kitzeite? Just use the word mechama. So the answer is the reason why Rashi is saying kitzeite, even though it's not a proof, is because he's not using those words as a proof. He's actually bringing those words because he's telling you how to teach those words because through saying the words see through explaining that we're talking about Muhammad Rushus that actually changes the way how you would have translated the words kitse. In other words kitse can be translated in two ways and by Rashi telling you Muhammad Rushus kaasmadamar now you know how to properly translate those words. Ilu im al he says, if the Pasik was talking about a michama of Eretz Yisrael, which is a chiv, then you would need to say that the words ki, which is if, it's a tanai, means it's uh would, we would have to go on the word shivis shivya as we said earlier. So if we're saying one way of reading our pasik is that's talking about a chaivah, and the word if is saying if you will take a captive. Or the second way to translated is that itaka means it goes on the word states in khamba but you can't translate the word ki as if, but rather you'd have to translate it as kasher or when, because it's a khif. So either you're translating it, you go out to war, if you take a captive when you go out to war, or when you go out to war, what you need to do, and you will take a captive. is in. But once we know that ki that, that we're talking, then we know what he's going to be going on. He's clearly going on the words Tetzel Machama. And you translate according to most simplistic translation, which is Im. So Rashi's telling you, Im Tetzel Ki means if you will go out to war. That the words Ki is going, uh, 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 you know, Ki is going on the words Tetzel Machama. So the way you'd read it is Ki Tetzel comma, then Veshevisa Shefia, and you take a captive. He says, similarly, the word teitzeh, you could translate in two different ways. He says, if we were talking about a mochama and a, 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 to conquer Eretz Yisrael, then you would not be able to explain the word taytse in the sense of that you're leaving one spot, your, your place where you live, in order to conduct the war. Because the Yidan did not have a makam They didn't have a makam On the contrary, the whole purpose of this war was to conquer Eretz Israel and make it a makam an established place for the Bene So, how could you. What does mean Where are you leaving from? When you go out to war, what do you mean when you go out to war? Where are you leaving from? We're in the desert. We're about to cross the yard to fight. We're not going out from anywhere. We're, we're traveling somewhere. So, so, how would you have to translate it? It would have to be if we're saying that the pasik means when you go out to, and we're talking about fighting against the nations, of Yitzhi, then you'd have to say it doesn't mean they're leaving somewhere because they're not leaving anywhere, they're in the desert, um, and they left the shrine 40 years earlier. So, what it means is they're leaving a a, a, like a massive a, a, a intellectual, a, a emotional and a spiritual or a mental type of state. They were in a state of manucha and you need to leave the state that you're in now of manucha of tranquility, and go out to have a war. So kitzetz ne'lochama means that when you go out of living peacefully and in manucha to go fight a war and uh, when you, sorry, when you go out of your mok and menucha, uh, you know, 30 days time when you attack the, uh, the Goyim, then you have to, and um, and you take a captive. These are the halachas. But now that we're saying we're talking about, then we can translate the word teitz that you're leaving eretz yisrael to the place of an enemy. So they literally are leaving. So means if you leave your home in eretz yisrael to fight against a nation which is outside of Eretz Yisrael, and you take a captive, etc., etc. So we're translating the words Ki and Tseitzei both differently, therefore it's in the different maschal. Talet. So now we understand um, the first parasha we had, a Perakhov Pasach which was talking about when you go out to war and you see a powerful nation in front of them, that you should not be afraid, Rashi doesn't explain what type of words talking about. He says, because over there, it could, talk, could be talking about a melcham The tevis ki, im, is a tanai. Musabas al He says, in that the word ki doesn't prove anything. Because it doesn't mean if you go out to war. It could mean when you go out to war. If you see, an, if you see a nation, which is more power, a very powerful nation, when you go out to war, then this is the different halachas. So even if you translate ki, which maybe we do, we talk, we'll translate, let's say, ki meaning if. But what does it mean? It means when you go out to war against any of these seven nations, if one of these nations seems extremely strong and powerful, you're not allowed to be afraid. So from the word ki, it's not a proof what the Pasuk it's talking about, because it just means a tonight, if. But, but it doesn't mean if you go out to war, it means if they're a powerful nation, uh, uh, you're not allowed to be afraid of them. Um, and since even from the continuation of the Parsha, there is no proof, there's no hakrech. what type of war that it's talking about. Therefore Rashi Stam, and he doesn't say what type of war it is, because from the pesukim itself there's actually no hachra. And as the Rebbe says in R 18, behind you Shah Dir Khapshat. Alder Habshat there's no haqra. like Pyrrhsha in a parsha mayri be Machamas Roshos al chayva. So Mashman de Zakkoi, Aqol Sukhimakham. He says from the parsha to the Mshuta Shad Mikrit. Since the Parsha doesn't say and there's no clarity in the Parsha itself what it's talking about, that means it's talking about any type of war, whether it's a gam chayva. You, you're not allowed to be afraid, and if you're a chassan, you would not need to go to war, which is a b'chiddish. The like gemara v'gemara, shacharaz asmi'ayi shayirach m'cham This is not like the gemara and the halacha, that when it says that the man who just got married or just made, made a new vineyard does not need to go out to war, halachically, and the, what this gemara says, is ta'cham m'cham soshus. But from Pashup Shad of Rashi, it's actually not clear. Well, let's go back in the penit he says similarly in the Pasik when if you will uh, make a siege against the city so he says the word key even if, uh, which kapsuta means if could Still be talking about even if it says if, because what, what is it? How would you translate it that when you're fighting a war, which is a chayva, if in one of those wars you have to make a siege, these are halachas of the siege, so it's still an if because you have to go to war, but it's an if if they you'll go into war against the city which will have uh, that you're going to have to place them under siege. So, so again, so the word key is not telling you what type of war it is, it could be the whole thing is a roshos and if. You go to, if you make a siege, which is completely permissible. Or it can mean, you have to do this war. But if there, the, the if is, we don't know if it's going to be against a city which is uh, walled or not. So if it happens to be against a city which is walled and you have to make a siege, these are the Allah. So therefore, this answers the question that we said earlier, why doesn't Rashi... Put the word tell us that it's mechamis Shus right on the words like he did in the prior parsha regarding making peace. So the reasoning is um, because um, because in this this these words itself there's no proof. Words is no proof at all. He doesn't even quote those words at the beginning of his spirit like our parsha. Even though we know that it's talking about muhammad Sushus because it says rabim, as we'll explain later how rabim is a proof that was one of the questions how do we know that it's muhammad surshus so we'll discuss in a moment but rashi is not going to bring the words ki ki de ki tatzur im safik so because even the reason he wouldn't bring the words key is because the words key never changes so the only reason rashi would bring key is either because key is a proof or it's because through what he's saying, it changes the translation of the word key. But in this Devar it doesn't change it, because an even key is still going to mean if. It's always going to stay the same type of if. So therefore, that, the word key doesn't change according to what he's saying. After Rashi... The rest after Rashi brings the word Tevas, Rabin. And he says, what is the word Rabin teaches us? The word it's teaching us that you have to offer peace, peace. Uh, after, three, uh, after you know, for the first two or three days uh, with the siege. Then it must be that this is a That's the proof. Why? He says, because Rashi just said in the prior parsha. That when you approach a city and offer peace, the only time you're allowed to offer peace is if it's mechamis So Rashi tells you that the reason why it says yomim rabin that it's two three days is because you before you start fighting against them, you first need to offer them peace. Then obviously, if you're offering them peace, then must be talking about mechamis rishos because Mechamas you're not allowed to offer peace. Which is this is similar to the proof in our parsha Lecham lechamoleivacha b'shevise shiviyai. That the proof is from the shivisi Shivya. Shivisi Shivya, you don't do that by a against the people of Eretz Yisrael, so it must be a roshos. Similarly over here, you're offering them peace, can't be against the people of Eretz Yisrael, it must be a machamas roshos. Siv, hey, you know what, we will, we'll do Ha'ara 19. This will just explain uh, this Rashi that we just quoted. It's always nice to have an understanding of what Rashi is saying. So our 19. So, 19. So what's the hakrach? What's the hakrach of Rashi? Rashi's telling us that this this pasuk is teaching us to elachus again about not making a war. Uh, you have to have at least three days before Shabbos, and also uh, offering peace. How do we learn them for the words yamim rabin? So Yesh Laimar li malaham yutaris. the muvim elir he He says because we have extra words in the pasuk. It says kitzasur uh, yamim li says, why do you need to have the words, what other reason would you be making a siege? Obviously, it's for war. So why are you saying, you're making a siege in order to have war? Why else would you make a siege? So that's one. Those words are extra. Another issue in the Pasuk. Second of all is, it should have given, the, the wording of the Pasik uh, doesn't make sense. It says, the way how the pasik should have been written is that you give, um, the, 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 you give the reason why they are laying siege right away. You, you're laying siege. Why? To fight against it. And you've been doing this for many days. You know Allah cut the trees. Why would you make a half and say, when you're f- making a siege against the city for many days, and then you go back, why are you there for many days? This is you know, in order to fight it. The words of Allah is a reasoning for what we said earlier. That why are you making a siege? This is to fight against the city. So why would you have the words Yamim rabbim in between? So those are the two issues with the pasuk. Rashi that the rabbim koy bein alafan of kisaser bein Therefore, Rashi says that the words Yamim rabbim is coming to teach two alachas, two things. It's teaching us something on what happens before that kisaser is for Yamim rabbim that you need to have a siege for many days, which means at least three days before Shabbos, and then also on what it says afterwards that you need to. Uh, first make a siege for two, three days before you actually make a war. So that's what it says, that when you make a siege on a city for two, three days, and then afterwards you, and only afterwards are you able to fight against it, then you got to follow these alachas. As Rashi says, This teaches us two alachas. This teaches us two Right, that you have to have at least three days of siege before Shabbos That's the second lacha. Just I'm not going to read the the star inside, but he just makes a nice diak. He says at the beginning he says the words Mikan Lamdu that we 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 we, can, we learn that you're not allowed to make a siege. Uh, which teach, we can, that means this is a dindu so We can, from the rabbanan learn from the wording of here meaning is it's not a de deraisa but rather the the learn from this pasuk that this is an a torah idea it's called an a that meaning is that when a pasuk is written in uh, in a certain way and, and tells you how certain things should be it's not telling you that you have to do it that way but it's kind of telling you what's the proper way of doing things so in the chacham are able to see this that the pasuk is telling you you're supposed to have two three days of siege. That's telling us something. It's telling us that it's a Torah concept to have at least a few days before Shabbos. But the second word, it says it's, 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 it uses the word Lomach, <laughs> teaches this teaches us that you need to offer peace. So the word Lomach, that means it's a dindaraisa. The Pasch actually teaching us this. It's not that the rabbis learn from here, but rather the Pasch itself is teaching us that it's a dindaraisa, that you need to offer peace. And of course, if you're offering peace, midaraisa, that obviously means it must be tachno l'chamas v'shoshos. Sefei. Um, so with the Pasuk, if you will approach a city to fight against it, uh, you have to offer priests across the L'Shamalah. He says in that pasik, there's no other way of translating the word Im. Meaning there's no tonight, there's nothing happening like if... You know you'll take a ca- if you'll have a captain if the, you're gonna have to make a siege over here all it says is that you when you if you approach a city to fight against it and you will ask for it for peace where else could the word if go on if you will ask you for peace no you have to so it's no if so the only thing you could translate key if means it must mean on the words itself if you approach a city to fight against it then what are you supposed to do you have to call out and try to make peace so that's the reasoning why. Rashi, That's why this is the single one, the only Rashi, that uses the word Ki as a proof. Because over here, the word Ki, which means if, has to go on the words Muhammad and it's telling you if you make a war. Also, if you make a war and you have to offer peace, it must be talking about Muhammad But Rashi, that seems like a very powerful proof. You know, if if if, if it's mechamis, if if you're making a war mechamis chayva mecham against Eretz Yisrael, you shouldn't use the lashon of if. So if the pasuk for sure means if, then why does he need a second proof? He says mushum shelachayra muchach mecham super v'teresh lof ki yikriyas shalom shayas sag mecham eseret yisrael. He says because lachayra on the pesukim earlier in the Torah, it seems like ahichacha uh, there's a proof from there that lachayra you should do a kriyas shalom even to the nations. Uh, who are living in Eretz Israel when you're fighting against them? Because the the was from the Umas, shalom It says that Moshe Rabbeinu sent uh, messengers to Si'ach and the king of Amory, and we know Amory was one of the seven nations, and they sent them words of peace, saying, "Let us just pass in your lands." So they wanted to make peace with them. <laughs> So from here it's clear that even the Chamus Chayvah, which is similar to the Chamus of Eretz Yisrael, you have to open up with Divrei Shalom. And Moshe would not have been Chamus over on the Ever, Ever, Eretz Neshama. Therefore, since we see already earlier that you are supposed to do a Kriya Shalom to the seven nations, as we see Moshe Beno did it with Sichayin, how are you supposed to translate our pasik? It can't be if. Uh, well, it could be if, but we can make it even bigger, that means when, because we already know that it's really, it's an if or a when. Because therefore the Rebbe says, the ikur Khiddish, What's the main khiddish, Would of course be the lashon of kasher. When we know that this applies even by Melcham chayva, as we see by sichain. So therefore, when we come to our pasik and we could translate it if or when. It doesn't make sense to translate it if, meaning as Melcham rishos, because we know it doesn't just apply by Muhammad's rishos. We know it applies even by Melcham chayva. So therefore, there will be a We have to translate it as ki, which means when. Because of what happened with Sichai. And of course, if even when you're fighting against the people of Eretz Yisrael, you need to make peace, then Kol when you're fighting against uh, any other nations, which was Muhammad Sushus, of course, you would have to try to make peace first. Therefore, Rashi continues and he says it's clear in this Inyan, and in our parsha. Because it says this is what you should do for all of the cities which are different. Meaning is it's impossible the Pasuk is talking about Eretz draw. <laughs> because it says it clearly in the Parashat LaHapik it says it's talking about cities which are even far away. Meaning is either cities which are close and cities which are far, which are all Melcham Esrushos. But it cannot be talking about a because what cities which are far away would we, which would we have a Melcham Esrushos for? So it must be that the Pasik is talking about a um, So therefore you'd have to translate it as if, and by the way, that idea that you can make peace with um, the nations of Eretz So we said Rashi does not hold of it from our parsha, but we know that's actually the opinion of the Ramban, the opinion of a Rambam, that even for the seven nations you're supposed to try to first make peace. So that that, that definitely is a halachic opinion. Rashi saying that from our parsha that is not muqach, and we'll actually have a, a bit few more details of what Rashi's. Opinion is in just a moment about when he holds you. Yeah, when even because even according to Rashi, there are situations where you are allowed to try to make peace with the Seven Nations. <laughs> so the Shaila, of course, is that how can Mishnah Rabeinu try to make peace with Melachim? So Matik Rashi betchilas perusha gam teves ki of Elir. And the is, so the, the Rebbe is saying that in order to answer this question of how, if we're just saying that you're not allowed to make peace to the seven nations, how can we remain make peace? So Rashi puts in his masu also the words because the Chayra, all Rashi needs to do is put the words key and say, key, oh, as we prove it later on. Why does he need the word sikh revel ear? He's saying is because sikh ear is actually part of the explanation. It's a hint that this, that Moshe, who offered Tivri uh, Shalom, sorry, this, that the psicha, this this idea of making Shalom is only by Muhammad Soshos, who That the only time we have um, an issue of making peace with the seven nations is when you're actually approaching them to fight. So when you're already starting to fight against them or you're approaching them to fight, at that point, you're not allowed to make peace with the seven nations. Masha can any the other nations. So in other words, to make it more, more clear, Rashi's telling us that when, when you're of distance, then you can make peace with anybody. But once you're ready, close, ready to start the war, then with the regular mechamus or you are still allowed to offer peace. But Masha Inkim, with the Zion Umis, once you're close to fighting the war, you're ready approach them, then it's too late. And at that point, you have to um, fight, a, fight a war. And just to, to be Masha and the Indian, you know, let me finish this first. But if they're not approaching, they're not close to the city, or they're not actually, they didn't come to fight against the city, then it'd be Mutluf Gam and even with the seven nations, you'd be able to offer peace. He says, what was the story with Moshe and Sichayin? Moshe wasn't coming to, first of all, fight against Sichayin. He was going, he, they just wanted, at that point in time, they weren't planning on actually conquering those countries, they were planning on just going through, to conquer the cities which were in to Yisrael proper, not the areas which were on the east side of the Jordan. So therefore, Moshe first of all, wasn't close to them, they didn't actually approach their cities yet. They were still, they just sent you know, shluchim to ask if they can go through. So they weren't actually inside their country yet, yeah? uh, or close to it. And second of all, they weren't actually approaching to fight. They just wanted to pass through. Therefore, they were allowed to start with words of Shalom. Masha uh, came. The Rebbe says in Hala'ara, that's say you have the city of Sichan. Once the Beren Yisrael were on the other side of the Yardin, all they needed to do was cross it. They were already close to the city. And the reason why they came all that way to the Yardin, was to fight against them. So at that point, they they were not able to make peace with Sikha and Ara, um, 25, which gives you a lot of details about that. But the idea is that once you're too close, once you're a 24 star, that the time is up. Just to be mashin, time the Indian, according to the Ramban and the Ramban, they hold you are allowed to make peace with uh, even the Zayim Umas, even once you've already entered Tahrir Yisrael and they actually started, um, once you actually already entered Yisrael and began, came close to the city, To fight against them you can still offer them peace and he says the difference only is between the seven nations and everyone else is that guarding the seven nations if they say no you have to destroy their cities and you have to kill everybody the women, the children everybody in the city masha and in the other nations of the world if you're fighting against them and they fight and they don't want to make peace you are you don't need to destroy their cities you're allowed to keep the children and the women alive um so that would be the difference Um, there's also a third opinion which is very similar to rashi but a bit different is the opinion of Teisvus. Teisvus holds that you're allowed to make peace as long as the conquering of Eretz Yisrael didn't begin. Meaning as when they were on the other side of the Yarden and didn't actually start fighting, making a kibush of warring against them, then they can still send letters out and offer peace. And that's what it says in the Medrash, that they sent three letters. They sent one letter as whoever wants to um, run away, run away. Second letter, whoever wants to make peace, make peace. And the third one, whoever wants to fight, come and fight. So Teisus says that's only when they're on the other side of the yard, and once they crossed over that, it was too late, and whoever didn't make peace, it was too late at that point. But according to Rashi, so according to Rambam and the Ramban, even then you could still make peace as long as they didn't actually, uh, you know, as long as they didn't say no, that we don't want to make peace, we want to fight against you, you could literally make peace until the war literally started with each city. But according to Rashi, even once they came into Israel, and they might have conquered a city or two, they still could have made peace with the cities that they didn't approach yet to fight. So if there were, you know, let's say all the way in the east, and then there's another city all the way in the north northwest, which they didn't approach yet, according to Rashi, they would be able to make peace with them still. Uh, also according to the Ramban and the Ramban, but according to Tysis, they would not. Allah Sifaf. He says Rashi's maskim or shusakas badaber. He says the Rashi begins as he is pirosh. And he says, let's talk about Muhammad Sushos. Right? He says, but he's going to take captive. This is talking about Muhammad shus And he finishes off, what's my proof? Because in the Mohamed uh, the war is in Eretz you cannot say the word Sushos. He says, why does he change the Lashen? He starts off, Muhammad he should have just said, you know, not allowed to say Shavisa Shavya. Why did he have to say Mechamas Eretz Yisrael? There's obviously a dik over there by changing the... <coughs> you, oh, usually when you're writing, there's a symmetry to the way you're writing. They complement, the two sentences Should complement each other. So over here that he changes it to Eretz Yisrael, it's clear that he's making a dik. Furthermore, Mechamas chayva would also include destroying a malek, because also by them it says you should um, you're not allowed to take any captives, because it says you just you should uh, wipe out the memory of a malek, a man until a woman. So technically, by saying Muhammad chayva, it's actually more general. It says because Muhammad chayva, it says you cannot say it's Takma shivio. So Rashi would have been better to say Muhammad chayva because then it would also include it against the malek that it must be talking about Hamas and it cannot be talking about against the people of Eretz Yisrael, or against the Mullahs, because then you're not allowed to take any captive. So why does Rashi say Eretz Yisrael? Rather, rather he's giving a hint over here that there is such a concept of a Mahama, against the nations of Eretz Yisrael, which would not be a Chayva, Big chidish. That even against the nations, the seven nations of Eretz Yisrael, there could be a situation where that would not be a, a Mechamas Chayva. But even though it's not a Mechamas Chayva, but nonetheless, the mitzvah, Leisichai Kon would still apply. So basically, you have three types of wars. You have Mechamas then you can have Mechamas Chayva, um, and you have to destroy all the nations, uh, the seven nations, and then there could be another type of Mechamas rishus, but when you're having this Mechamas Roshus against the people of Eretz Yisrael, you do not, um, um, that, that against the people of Eretz Yisrael, which is Roshus, and it's not a chaybe, but nonetheless, you still have the obligation of not allowing them to live, as we will explain. He says, so he says in Parshas Meshbatim that, you're not, that uh, you will not uh, throw them out of the land all in one year because maybe the land will be desolate and then we're scared like animals and wild animals will come in and ruin the land. Rather, you're going to kick them out slowly. Until the land you'll be fruitful and multiply, and you'll inherit the whole land, and you'll be able to kick out the rest of the people. But the point is, if you do it all at once, there's going to be issues of areas being desolate, and we you know like wild animals and everything's going to come into those areas, and I'll make it harder to have you to stroll afterwards. So moving? So it's understood that the chiv, the mitzvah and the chiv to the to throw out the people who are living there is only in a way that will not cause the land to be shamama. So it's understood that if you conquer Eretz Israel in a way that you will not be able to live in those areas, that will not be considered machmas chayva. So this is very fascinating. So if you are um, attacking a city. And at that point of time, you really cannot live, take over that city and live in it, and you'll be a few years till you get back. And therefore, will cause an inu, of an in of that Indian being desolate and animals and all those things will come in. Um, so if you attack, you're allowed to attack, but will not be considered this idea of mechamas khayvah. There is no khayv to attack that city until you're able to live in it. So Valpiza to turats um, we'll go back, yeah, so now we're going to... We'll get back. So anyways, that's, we'll get back to the answer in a moment with just uh, another point over here. He said, According to this, we can answer a very interesting question. And this will be a pshat answer. How could the B'nai Yisrael push off conquering Eretz Yisrael for seven years? It doesn't sound like such a big piece of land. Why didn't they just go and conquer the Gantzah all at once? So Rashi gives actually an answer in Sefer Yeshua. He says, He says over there, this is the Genus of Yeshua, um, that he was, that he says, that Yeshua had intention um, to push off the conquer of the Eretz Yisrael because he wanted to be Ma'er Chiyama, meaning it's because Hashem told him that you're going to conquer Eretz Yisrael. Therefore, he waited seven years to conquer the entire thing because he knew he wouldn't die until after the kibush was done. So he took his time. Rashi says, the reason why it took seven years was because something that Yeshua did, which was a Gnus, which was, was actually something not good. But still, a the question still remains. First of all, why didn't this and say that you're doing the wrong thing? He says, for sure, even Yeshua must have had some type of Heter. To push off, conquering Eretz Yisrael for seven years. Yeshua is big tzaddik. He's going to push off, conquering Eretz Yisrael against Talacha in order to uh, live longer. It's a mitzvah to conquer. He's going to push off a mitzvah for seven years. Very, very hard to say that. el It's because it wasn't a chayva yet, as we just said. The only time you have a chayva is if you're able to live in the land. But if you can't live in the land then you're allowed to take longer. So he took seven years. of halachic reason why he did it was, art he didn't want the land to be desolate. So halachically what he did was fine. Because he knew it took seven years basically to conquer in a way which would be a style of a chayva that the land should not be shemama. But al gam diik rashi miskaven dacha. Ki man art now we can understand the diik of rashi. He says he had he was miscavin to push it off. Not that he pushed it off, meaning is Rashi never said that we're talking about the genus of Yeshua, that he pushed off conquering it up for seven years. No, because he didn't actually push it up. Allah he was fine. The problem was the Kavana that he had. He says he was miscavan, meaning the Kavana that Yeshua had, um the, the, the kavana that he had was. Of of taking seven years was because he wanted to learn uh, to live longer. Now, what's the difference? What the kavana was, if Bapayel would take seven years to conquer it, who cares if the kavana was because he wanted to live longer, or if the kavana was because he wanted to have the proper yeshiva arts? When Sahib mamish, either way, it doesn't really matter. Like his kavana was his kavana of pushing on. He, his kavana wasn't that Bapayel. He weren't able to do it. So, what's the difference? What the kavana was? So the rabbi explains the kavana. Um, refrained him from doing the proper hishtadlos that the lamb would not be shamama. and Meaning that if he wanted to, he could have done it faster than seven years. If he really wanted to conquer the land and make a yishuv, he could have really tak, have done it even faster than seven years. I right, So why did he take seven years? Uh, it's because he wanted to live longer. So what happened was, through him not through his kavana that he wanted to live longer, therefore he didn't do the proper shladdos to try and come up with uh, different strategies to conquer it faster in a way, in a way that would have to be in a way of yeshuv. So that's what Rashi says, that this was his genusoi. This was the genus of, um, of, of Yeshua that he kind of just was happy to let it be settled over seven years. He says, you know what, I'll just follow the letter of the law in this particular situation and let it... Uh, take the seven years that it would naturally take, uh, and this was his because he is, his. The reason why that happened is his kavanah was because he wanted to live longer. But if if talk and wanted to do the mitzvah as soon as possible, he would have come up with a way to make the chiv of uh, you know the chiv of conquer those lands. In a way that you would be able to live in it, he could have done that. It would have been even faster. That's what it means, So his kavanah was he didn't make it a shtadlis to make sure it wasn't shemama. So therefore, since he didn't have that, since he didn't do that because of his kavanah, he didn't try, and therefore it automatically was Nitra So bapayot he didn't do anything wrong because it was only mele Nitra, He didn't push it off as mele Nitra, He wasn't able to do it, but his genus is that he didn't do things to try to make it that it shouldn't be nitra. Now we go back to our question. Why does Rashi use the words Mechamas Because it's on He says, because the idea is when you're fighting against Eretisral, it doesn't make a difference if the, war, if the fight that you're doing is because it's a chayva or if it's a rashos. Either way, you still have to do the idea of Mechamas Shama, Meaning, there's two mitzvahs over here. There's a mitzvah of Kibosh Eretz Yisrael and Kibbutz Eretz Yisrael only applies if you're able to uh, do it in a way that the land will not be desolate. But then there's a second mitzvah. That whenever you have a war against any of these nations, you're not allowed to let any of them live. So even if you went there as a Roshos, nonetheless, once you've attacked and you started fighting against them, there is an obligation. like nashama, And that's what Rashi telling us. That Mechem Eretz Yisrael, any type of Mechem tisrael, this posse cannot be talking about any Mechem Eretz Yisrael, even a Mechem Eretz Yisrael, which was a Roshos, because you're not allowed to have anyone living. The reason is because the mitzvah is its own mitzvah. It's the independent and it's not connected to the mitzvah kibitrah. But taikhana is what's the purpose of what's the ta'iqh, what's the idea of l'Isakhai it? Khan the Shamah? It's shalloi yemizai umus be'rtis sral, lama shalloi khol ylamduascham lastis he says the reason of not letting anybody live is not because you're trying to conquer the land and if you have the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the population still living there, you're not going to really be able to have complete control of the land, which you, know, you might have thought, why are you conquering you have to kill everybody? Because if you don't kill them, eventually you're going to come up and they're going to rebel and fight against you. He says that's incorrect. That's not actually the reason of the reason of is for its own reason. The reasoning is because we don't want you to learn from their uh, their disgusting ways. Therefore, even if it's a mecham which is in a chayva, so it's not the purpose of kibush, you'd still have this idea of loy sechayek on So, Rashi continues in the next shivya. This is the Rabbis Kananim umas. The Rashi has a question: Why is it says? Double expression, you will take captive, it's captive. Just say you'll take captive, you will take captive, it's captive. It's a double expression. So he says the reasoning is it's giving, it's telling you that there is, in a sense, there's captives within those cities themselves. So you will take captives, the captives of those cities. So who are the individuals who are, in a sense, captive in those cities that you're conquering? This is to include the kananim that are living within it even though from the, they're from the seven nations. So meaning is, we're talking about Hamas so you could be ta- fighting against a country which is far away from Eretz Yisrael, but you have some Canaanim living there, so if you conquer the city and you conquer those Canaanim, you are allowed to keep them, and therefore you would have the Lachas of Yeshu Sifat What's Rashi's Khidish? Because according to what we just said, has nothing to do with Kibosh Eretz right? Meaning if, according to what we thought initially, that the reasoning why you're not allowed anybody living, you're not allowed to let them live. It's because it has to do with kibush Eretz Yisrael. Then obviously if you're conquering some city which is far away from Eretz Yisrael and there's some kananim living there, why would you kill them? You're not conquering Eretz Yisrael, so let the population stay. Only in Eretz Yisrael you're not allowed to have the population stay because you're conquering it as a kibush Eretz Yisrael because of that mitzvah. But now that we're saying that the reason why you need to kill the kananim is because you don't want to learn from their deeds and the L'Ise Neshama is a Chiv on its own, nothing to do with kibush and conquering Eretz Yisrael, then I would think, oh, so even if I'm conquering the city which was far away, still I have an obligation to kill the Canaanim, because there's nothing to do with conquering Eretz Yisrael. Any city I capture or fight against, even if it's a Rishus, I would have to destroy them. That's why Rashi is giving a Chiddush, and Madgesh Rashkin, the V'Shevisi shivio Korchach Mabinim Gam Canaanim Therefore, Rachi's being mechadish. She says, what is the words its captives? it's coming to include something. It's coming to include the Canaan which are within it. Even though they're from the Zion Umas. and we usually have an obligation of but that's only on the Zion Umas that are actually living in Air Yisrael. not if they're living abroad. Um, and as um, Hara 38, the Rebbe explains the reasoning. He says, the reasoning is, because when living in Israel together, then it's a nation with a culture, and there's a real chashash you might learn from them. But if they're in chutzlarts, they're basically battle to those nations, they're going to be following their culture, not the culture of the Zayin therefore you don't need to destroy them. hazak, Move on. So we know the of the al that Rashi is the wine of Tyra. Therefore the Pyrrhus Rashi fits with what's explained in Pneemius of Tyra. But in our situation, not In our situation, it's not understood. So it explains in Chasidis that it says when you go out to war, it's talking about the war of the nefesh with the nefesh bahamis during davening, because the time of war is is the time of davening. So davening is the time of war. So how can you say Rashi is that we're talking about the chometz if you go out to war, if you go out to war with your Nachsh Bahamas at the time of davening, what do you mean if? You always have to fight against your Nachsh Bahamas. It doesn't make sense. So it seems like the Pirish of Chasidis translates the Pasuk as when you will go out to war, meaning is when you will daven and fight against your Yetzahar. Masha'en Ken Rashi is explaining it like if. So the, it seems like the Yenashotaira does not fit with the previous Sataira. So the answer is. There's Two ways of purifying the Nefesh Bahamas. One is a way of fighting. The other is a way of menucha, way of tranquility. So the difference is, we're going to explain right now. He says the difference, this difference of b'derech mocham and b'derech menucha is the difference between davening, which is called the time of war, and the learning ta'yrah, the Avedev ta'yrah, which is called Darchta how darchinoim. It's a way of peace and pleasantness. Meaning is the way of davening is, is you you avrid satefiel who bears har yeitahara melamata lamata mata lamaylay they slaps from avar nefesh lekis behamesbara the nefesh behamas. Dabbing is purifying the Nefesh HaBahamas and the Yitzhar from below upwards. Meaning, is that the Mavara, the one that's working to purify the Nefesh HaBahamas, the Nefesh HaLakis, has to actually go into the mind and the emotions of Nefesh HaBahamas and he works with them and struggles with them. And a person needs to, in a sense, um, as it says, the idea of Dabbing is Psicha Sa'adam, Sa'adam, and sakel. You're supposed to think about how lowly a man is and also about the greatness of Hashem. Who are you explaining this to? The Nefesh al Kis already knows it. Rather, well, even in the Nefesh al there needs to be a certain type of uh, has as explained the Hasidut. But the main idea is that you're explaining to the nafsh bahamis how lowly the body is. And you're also explaining to the, the Nefesh naf- Bahamas that it should be able to understand the greatness of Hashem. And of course, the Nefesh Bahamas desires other things. So there's an intellectual and emotional war that's going on. By Master Inking by Torah, you're not really trying to get the emotions and the feelings of what the Nash Bahamas thinks about it. You're learning Torah, you're trying to understand what the Torah says. And when you're learning the Torah, you're Megala Eloquus in the world. You're magala Eloquus inside of your own Nefesh. So automatically, the Sahara is becoming this battle. You're like turning on the light, and the darkness goes away. So, davening, you're in a sense need to explain it to the Bahamas. You need Bahamas. The Nefesh Bahamas needs to understand this. You need to really understand yourself well and Nefesh Bahamas well, to, in a sense, to speak to it and to argue with it in a way that it can appreciate. Masha'in Kintar, you're not really asking no, what the Nefesh Bahamas thinks. You're learning the Torah, and this is how you can, and so your, your, your intellect and your way of how you're going to act is going to be automatically just according to what the Torah says. So, without any type of uh, war. Now, therefore, we understand why the Bureau of the Yitzharah is called the war. But nonetheless, we say it's Muhammad Suresh, and our question was, how can you call him Muhammad Muhammad You always need to fight against the Nefesh Bahamas. So the answer is, because there are different ways of fighting. So if, it's still an if, meaning is if you decide to fight against the Nefesh Bahamas in a way of war, this is what you're supposed to do. But you don't need to do it this way. You are also able to have the war, in a different way, which that would be a vaydas, uh idea, Vedas Shatayrah.